This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I turn our attention to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Isaiah, chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 1 and following. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Let's just stop there. Maybe I should reiterate verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. He said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Uh, Lips are such a vital part of our anatomy, are they not? They're extremely handy when you go to eat. They're also very handy for kissing. Not that an old fogey like me would know anything at all about that. But it'd be strange if it was your ears you had to kiss with, wouldn't it? Eskimos has perfected the art of kissing with their noses, but I don't think that would be much fun. Lips. We can do all kinds of things with lips. We can bite them. We can lick them. We can pout them, and we can paint them. Lips can reveal our hearts, can reveal our motives, can reveal our ways. They can represent our very walk. They register our prayers, our petitions, and our praises. Therefore, we need, like Isaiah needed, for the Lord to touch our lips. Isaiah's lips as we just read, were touched for purity. Isaiah had an incredible vision of the Lord, high and lifted up, with his whole glory, with his train filling the temple. Isaiah was called to be a prophet of the Lord. And in fact, 
if we had read the chapter before, he was in the throes of delivering an absolutely awesome prophet prophecy to the nation. And had we read that, we would have saw that he pronounced six woes upon the nation of Israel because of their idolatry and their sinfulness and their turning their back on the living God. And I'm not sure how he felt about that prophecy. I'm not sure how he personally felt delivering that. Did he feel that somehow that he himself, because he was a prophet, was above all of that? I wonder, did he feel superior to them while delivering that? We don't know. It doesn't say. But what I can say, if he did feel superior and somehow above them, then once he was in the awesome presence of Almighty God, and once he stood in the ineffable light of the Lord, then he certainly could not have felt that because he says, even though I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. The reason why I say that is because often, and it's part of our human nature, where we compare ourselves to others, don't we? And often, those whom we compare ourselves to doesn't come out the best. Usually, we come out the best in our comparison. Sometimes we feel lesser and less of a person that they are, but oftentimes it's the other way around. And, and so when Isaiah stood here in the presence of the Lord, then for sure he felt undone. And, and when he saw the task that was ahead of him, uh, he felt impure and unclean. And in the light of God's glory, he felt disdain and he felt damned and he felt dark. So how could he be a prophet of God? How could he deliver a message of God to the people when he felt at that moment, I'm no better than they are. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm undone just like they are. But then we saw how God sent the seraphim with a call from off the altar. Now, not a literal coal, not a literal burning ember. This is symbolic, of course. In other words, God touched his lips. He touched his life. And he cleansed him. And he purified him. And he made him fit to be the man of God that he would be for the rest of his life. John Newton, who wrote the great or famous hymn, Amazing Grace, was a slave trader at a time. And by his own testimony, he said he was the most foul-mouthed man that ever walked the face of the earth. He said, I, I could hardly put one sentence together without blaspheming and cursing and swearing. But God touched his lips. And from those lips were preached many wonderful sermons to the glory of God. And from those lips, there sounded out many wonderful hymns, Amazing Grace, just one of them. Earlier, much earlier this year, I was at a funeral of, a, of an old friend 
And uh, if you had met him, you'd have thought he was one of the most, and he was one of the most gentle, endearing, engaging, amiable, lovely gentleman that he was. But he told me one time, he said, David, if you had known me before I met Christ, he says, you could not have stood in my presence. He says, I was an embarrassment to everybody around me. He says, I had such a foul mouth. He says, every other word that came out of it was a swear word or a blasphemous word. He says, I embarrassed my wife and everybody around me. And he says, do you know what? I hardly even knew I was doing it. He says, it was just second nature to me. But he says, when I came to Christ and he saved me, he says, that was the first thing he did. He touched my mouth and he cleansed it and made him into such a gentle man and such a loving person and such a positive, encouraging guy. Isaiah's lips were touched for purity. In, in James chapter 3, uh, James refers to the lips or the mouth of the tongue. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. But if any man does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or a mature man, able to also to bridle the whole body. So in other words, the tongue or the mouth of the lips has such an influence over the whole of us. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So James warns of the power of the tongue, and in his case, in a very negative way. Of course, the power of the tongue can be a very positive thing if we use it correctly and rightly. So Isaiah's lips were touched for purity. Jeremiah his lips were touched for power. Uh, the next book, Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 4. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. King James says, I am but a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then he put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, and to build and to plant. Jeremiah felt he had no power. Isaiah felt he had no purity. Jeremiah felt he had no power, he had no authority. Ah, Lord God, I am but a child. I'm just a youth. What can I say? Who will listen to me? I have no authority. I'm just an ordinary five-eighths. What am I among this nation of yours? How can I go and speak to them? What have I got? Oftentimes when God calls you or he calls me to something or to do something, oftentimes that's our first inclination. I'm not ready for this. I'm not able to do this. Who am I? What have I got? And Jeremiah felt that way. He felt he was no position of authority or power. But God says, do not say, you are but a youth. I'll fill your mouth when you open it. I'll give you the words to say. You'll speak my words. As soon as you stand before the people, don't worry about it. As soon as you open your mouth, I'll fill it. And what you'll say, you'll say for me. I think sometimes we forget that for the biggest part, particularly the, the disciples and the apostles, and often the prophets were young people. Samuel was just a wee boy, literally a wee boy, when God made him a prophet to the whole nation. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise your youth. And so young people, God uses young people. And yes, they're prone to make mistakes. And yes, they're not mature yet. But they've got zeal and passion and energy and often are prepared to take bigger steps of faith. So God uses young people. And when you look at the New Testament, the disciples that Jesus gathered around him, they were all young. He was the oldest among them. They're all teens and twenties. But look what God did with them. And yes, they had to mature, and yes, they had to learn a lot of things. And yes, they took some hard knocks, and yes, they made lots of mistakes. 
but he was patient. And he trusted them. And he trusted the Holy Spirit would use them for his glory, and he did. And they were used. So verse 7 to 9, And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. Moses felt the same when God came to Moses and told him to go to Pharaoh and say, tell, my, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he says, well, uh, who am I? I, I? I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a public speaker. Uh, I'm a man of, of stammering lips. I, I can't do this. Uh, I can't project. And God said, well, don't worry about it. If you really feel that way, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'll send Aaron to speak for you in your behalf but you're not going to get off the hook. But that's usually our first inclination. Ecclesiastes 8 and 2 says, where the word of a king is, there is power. And as believers, the New Testament calls us ambassadors for Christ. And so we should speak on his behalf and speak wisely and carefully. Ezekiel's lips were touched for proclamation. You go past Jeremiah, Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 3, verse 1. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go. And speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly, and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. Today we would say, fill your boots. <laughs> so I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with, my, speak with my words to them. If you're not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. And all the way down to the end of verse 27. When I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And he who hears, let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse. For they are a rebellious house. The scroll here represents the word of God. God told Ezekiel to fill his belly with it. Eat the scroll. Fill your heart full of the word of God. Because I'm going to use you to speak to the people. And when I do, what will come out over your lips? will be my words. So fill your belly full of my word. Eat the scroll. It's so important that we eat the scroll, that we fill ourselves full of the word of God. I know it's a drum I've been beating for 38 years in this house, and I hope you're listening. If ever we needed to know the Word of God, it's today. If ever we lived in a generation where the Word of God is being attacked and denied 
and lambasted and lampooned and argued against. It's today. So we need to know it. His lips were touched for proclamation. He was going to speak. He was going to preach. And he would prophesy the word of the Lord. I read one time where, and I forget where the, who said it, but I read one time where it said that there's a lot of talk about fast food's not good for you. But somebody said that what's as bad as fast food is eating food fast. And I have to admit, that's one of my feelings because I eat food fast. Say you're better to chew it and just take your time over it and let it get assimilated into your digestive system instead of just swallowing it nearly whole, hardly touches the sides come down. Some of you are smiling because that's what you're like too. So I'm not alone on that. My eldest sister's the slowest eater I've ever known in all of my life. Everything's cold by the time she finishes it because she likes to talk a lot, even when she's eating. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because whenever we go to eat this scroll, there's a tendency to speed read. Well, I'm going through the Bible, so I have five chapters to read today, and I better get it done. So I just fly through it. Take your time. Go a little bit slower. Ask yourself some questions. Why did he say that? Who's he saying this to? When did he say that? Uh, did somebody else say that as well? Start asking yourself some questions. What is it saying to me today, right now? Anything? Is it relevant to my situation? You say, well, some parts is hard to understand. Yes. That's why you've got to think about it and chew over it and let it assimilate into your system, your spiritual man inside. You may go and buy a little Bible dictionary or a little commentary and, and before you know, then you find that you're doing a little personal, private Bible study. I hope, listen to me, I hope that you're not just dependent upon me. I will try to feed you on Sunday to the best of my ability. But if that's all you're going to do, I can't be with you the rest of the week. So I can't spoon feed you. You're going to have to get something fit for yourself. You're going to have to delve in and think about it. Here end of the lesson. But be encouraged to do that, please. And then you'll find you come on Sunday, you've got much more out of what I say. Because maybe that's just the very chapter you've been reading this past week and wondering about and praying about 
And oftentimes that happens. Sometimes after I step down from the pulpit and shaking hands at the door, somebody said, do you know, I was just reading that this week. Wonderful. Sometimes you contact me during the week. Sarah. And I'm driving along and Sarah will text me and say, Pastor, where's that verse such and such? As if I know every verse in the Bible and every chapter. I, I'm an encyclopedia. I could just bang, just go. I'll get back to you later, Sarah. And I have to think, where is that verse? And I have to come and hunt through to find it. But that's all right. And sometimes some of you come to me after a sermon and, and you'll make a comment and say, did you, did you know? And you'll say such and such. And I, you've, I've said it to somebody and said, I wish you'd have told me that before would have put it into the sermon. I wouldn't have given you the credit for it, but I would have put it into the sermon. No, I would have given you credit for it. Daniel. His lips were touched for prophecy. See how convenient this is this morning? It's, it's the next book. Ezekiel Daniel, not easy. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel had been praying. Remember, he's in captivity. He's been praying, and God begins to speak to him. And he's trying to understand the timing of all of this that God's saying regarding the nation and the captivity. And so God sends a mighty angel to relate what this is to him and tells him in verse 15 of Daniel 10, when he has spoken such words to me, I turned toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men, my margin says that of the Son of Man, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and I spoke. Touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and I spoke. Can I remind you again, and it's relevant to what I'm saying, that Old Testament prophets usually had two sides to ministry. One was that they were forth tellers, F-O-R-T-H, forth tellers, and the other they were foretellers. And some was more forth tellers than foretellers. Some was more foretellers than forth tellers. But all of them had a bit of both. Daniel was a more of a foreteller. He worked alongside several kings in captivity and he spoke into their lives and spoke into situations. So in that sense, he was a foreteller. Prophets who were foretellers had to do with kings. They, they had to deal with kings on behalf of God and speak into their lives and into the lives of the nation and rebuke them if necessary or encourage them if necessary. That was their job. But Daniel was a foreteller by and large. And he prophesied future things regarding not only his own nation, but empires yet to come as well as those 
who had already come and gone. And so, you remember whenever we did the study in the book of Revelation, that I didn't start in Revelation, I started in Daniel, because to understand the vision of Revelation, you have to understand the prophecies of Daniel, because Daniel's prophecies often took place hundreds of years later. Some of them hasn't fully come to pass just yet, but they are coming to pass. And even in our generation, I've seen them come to pass. Things I preached in Revelation 30 years ago and said, this is what we believe will happen, now has happened in that 30 years that I've lived on this earth. So Daniel was a foreteller by and large. And again, may I remind you the difference between a priest and a prophet. A priest is one who stands before God on behalf of the people. He pleads their cause. A prophet is one who stands before the people on behalf of God. He speaks for God to the people. And so Daniel's lips were touched for prophecy. By the way, the New Testament gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14 and 3 is primarily for three things, edification, exhortation, and comfort. So it's a speaking forth for edification, which is a building up, for exhortation, which is drawing near, and for comfort, which that will comfort, bring comfort. Say, well, is there anything predictive in any of it? Well, if the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom is used in the mix of that, then it can become predictive too. But every prophecy has to be weighed. Why? Because it comes through vessels of clay. Ordinary men and ordinary women. You say, well, if you say, thus saith the Lord, well, that has to be weighed simply because it's coming through a, a vessel of clay. Uh, over the years, I have had lots of prophecies. Some come true, some didn't come true, some are on the long finger, some may or may not come true. I don't know. But what I do know is, I just don't run out and just run with something somebody tells me until it is shown that I can feel that it's genuine and real. You say, well, what, what if it doesn't register with you? What if it doesn't confirm anything? Well, I don't move on it. What if it comes from a good source, a reliable source, and it still doesn't confirm? Well, I still don't move on it. I'll wait till it is confirmed. Then I move on it. That's just good sense. It's biblical. The Bible says about the, Bere the Bereans even, if some argue that prophesying is preaching, and even if it was, then all preaching's got to be weighed. Because in a way, I'm telling you, this is what God's saying through his word to you. But you've got to be sure of that, so you've got to search that out. The Bereans search the word daily that see that these things be so. Because I'm a vessel of clay. I can make mistakes. I'm human. I don't know everything. I'm not God. <laughs> I'll try my best. But you've got to make sure that you've got to seek it out. But Daniel's lips were touched for prophecy. Hannah's lips were touched for prayer. You don't need to turn to the story of Hannah because you know it so well, most of you. And how that godly woman was barren. And how every year her and her husband and 
his other wife, Penina, who gave her a hard time, who mocked her and slagged her off because she was barren and Penina wasn't. And even though her husband loved her, said, well, I love you anyway, but she wanted a child. And so every year at the offering time when they go up to the temple, it broke her heart because things get worse because Penina made things really difficult for her. And on one occasion, she just sat down in the corner in the temple and she started to pray. And her mouth was moving, but mouth, her lips were moving, but there was no sound coming out. And old Eli, the priest, looked at her and he had seen his two rascal priest sons who were drunk many times. And he thought she was drunk like them. And if I could paraphrase, he'd say, woman, you're drunk. He says, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. My heart is breaking. I'm aching inside. I have prayed so long and so hard for a man-child. I want a son. And every time I come up to the house of God, every year it gets worse. And, and I'm praying, but it's just at the point where hardly nothing's coming out. I've just broken inside. And then he realized. And he spoke a word into her life that she'd have a child. And sure enough, she had a man-child, little baby Samuel, which means called of God. A little Samuel. That was him who was just a little boy. God gave him a mighty prophecy to the whole nation that the priesthood would collapse. Eli and his sons, and their arm would collapse, and of course kings then would take their place. But here she is, in agony of soul, praying. Your prayers can be powerful. Your prayers, from the depths of your heart, these were silent prayers. No doubt she had prayed and cried and wailed many times. No doubt she had looked up into heaven many times and said, God, what's happening? Why have I not got a child? Why am I barren? What's going on? My husband's other wife is mocking me. Do you not see this? I'm sure sometimes she was so frustrated and maybe sometimes angry, but often brokenhearted. But God had heard the cry of her heart. And God had waited all those years until the time was absolutely right for a prophet to be raised up in the nation of Israel. And even though, in a sense, it was her expense, all the agony and all the frustration, all the hurt and all the confusion, all of that that she went through, but in the end, she got the desire of her heart in God's time, God's way. So your prayers, and some of you have maybe been praying a long, long time, and maybe frustrated, and maybe a little bit angry at God sometimes, and maybe wondering what in the world is going on, maybe feeling sorry for yourself, 
sure she did many times. But if you keep praying and keep trusting and keep believing and allow God's time to come, maybe God has withheld and delayed that answer for his reasons and for his glory. Hannah's lips were touched for prayer. All of us are here today because of the prayers of somebody, some family member, might have been a relative far out, who maybe when you were a child prayed for you every day to come to saving faith in Christ. And for some of us, it took years for those prayers to be answered. But eventually, by God's grace, they were answered. So allow God to use your lips and to touch your lips for prayer. Sometimes you pray for things or for people or situations, and you do it daily, and you do it often, and you do it almost by rote. And sometimes you get to the place where there's not much feeling in it, but you do it. You feel, I got to do this. It's a duty to do this. It's right to do this, and you do it. But sometimes, in praying for that same thing or that same person, you feel a quickening. You feel an energy. You feel something rising up in your spirit. And there's a heightening to that prayer. And you feel that it's breaking through, that you're getting somewhere with it this time. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit in you touches you. I'm sure I've said this before, but my eldest sister, before I got saved, her and her husband, they're pastors in England, and she says, one night in bed sleeping, God woke me up and says, pray for David and pray for your dad to get saved. She got out of bed, got on her knees. Her husband, the pastor, was lying there, and typical pastor, he says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm praying for my brother, praying for my father. Okay, and back to sleep again. But she says, the burden, my heart to pray for you. And my dad was great. And for two hours, she wrestled in prayer until she felt, that's it. That's it. I, I never have to pray that prayer again. She says, you know, I never did pray that prayer again. I was so sure that the answer was going to be that you would get saved. And I did. Sometime after that, I did get saved. It was years before my, in fact, my father was 75 before he got saved. And I got leading him to Christ. But she says, that night, and she says, I had prayed for you for years to get saved. But she says, that night, something happened. There was an energy, there was a quickening, there was a burden or something. That's our Christianese speak we use to explain the inexplicable. <laughs> Can't explain it really. It's a feeling, isn't it? Rises up. And you know that somehow that energy to pray is there. God has touched her lips. So be encouraged in your prayers. And when you feel that energy to pray for someone, please do it. Even if you have to pull it at the side of the road. I was driving along the road one day, <coughs> coming from here years ago, coming from church here. I was on my own. I was doing some remedial work in the church. and I was driving home, and I was in a period of fasting. Driving home up that road, we lived in Glengormley at the time, driving along there, minding my own business. And suddenly, 
had a, a picture, a vision, call it what you will, of another pastor, and he was doing something, and I spoke out and said, that's not like him. I heard myself saying that. That's not like, it was so real. And then it just faded. And I went home. <clears throat> and I rang up his assistant pastor, whom I knew. And I told him what had happened. He says, there's that pastor's number. He says, ring him immediately. He says, I'm telling you, ring him right now. He needs to hear that. So I rang him and I told him and he thanked me. In fact, he says, come down and see me. I didn't at that time. I felt I delivered what I needed to deliver. <clears throat> but his assistant told me later, he says, you, you have no idea what he was going through and what he was being accused of. But that moment at that time, it was so real, I could not, not pass that on. I wish that happened. I wish that would happen a lot, but it doesn't. I wish it would happen every day, but it doesn't. It's rare for me anyway. So if you're praying or you're fasting and something comes to you that's a heightening, a quickening, then follow that. Now obviously somebody that you speak to, if you have to speak to somebody, is going to have to weigh that because it's coming through you who's an imperfect vessel. And sometimes what we start out in the spirit, we can end up in the flesh. Not that we mean to, but sometimes we can. So, Hannah's lips were touched for prayer. Go quickly. We're almost finished. Samus' lips were touched for praise. Huh. Psalm 51:15. Oh Lord, open my eyes and my mouth shall show forth your, sorry, O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. You don't always feel like praising when you come to church. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you come in and you're feeling light and oh, so everything's well with the world and you haven't got a problem and there's nothing on your mind and it's easy. Sometimes you come in and your shoulders are stooped and you're plodding up those stairs. You know, oh dear. Oh, the roller was uh, sitting at home tonight instead of going to church. But you get in, and then you start to say, do you know what? Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to worship God anyway, because he deserves it. And then you do it. And then God fills your mouth full of praise. <laughs> Psalm 63.3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. There's always something to praise God for, isn't there? <laughs> always something. Psalm 119, 171. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Hebrews 13, 15. By him let us therefore offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of of our lips giving praise to his name. <laughs> it doesn't have to be in church, by the way, driving along the road, in your room at home, wherever you may be, wherever it can be appropriate, then you can praise. 
song springs up in your heart, maybe a psalm, maybe a song, something, and you can, driving along, maybe you've got your CD playing, a worship song, and you join in. It's wonderful, isn't it? Does it lift you when you praise? Now, praise is not about us, it's about him. Because sometimes we say, oh, that was a great praise service. What we mean was the praise band were wonderful. But it's not about them. It's not even about us, it's about him. That's who it's really about. And it's wonderful when the praise band are in fine song and lead us wonderfully well. And thank God we've got great praise teams here. Thank God for them because they put a lot of hard work into this. It's not easy. Because you can come into church someday feeling down and sit there and not sing a word or do anything, but they can come in feeling the same as you are, but they've got to get up here. Do you think I come into church every Sunday bouncing? Huh? I've been doing this a long time. And I've got all kinds of situations I have to face that some, most times you don't know anything about. And Sally and I come in here, you have no idea what we have gone through this week or what we have faced. We've got to come in here, and I've got to go over here and preach to you regardless of how I feel. Now, I'm not saying a per me. That's not a, it's not trying to get brownie points here. I'm just showing you. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about him. For his glory. finish this. Righteous man's lips are touched for wisdom. Proverbs 15 and 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Proverbs 20, 15. There is gold and a multitude of rubies but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. The lips of the wise shall preserve them. Isaiah 54. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as I learned. This is the book of wisdom. Not the word's wisdom. You don't find the word's wisdom in here. God's wisdom. And the more we read it and meditate on it and chew on it, like the old cow who chews the cud, Assimilate it, get it into your hearts and into your spiritual man or woman, then the more wisdom we'll have. And the more we'll see the way to live in this present world. And it's God's way, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.